This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, I'm Melinda Snodgrass, the writer of The Measure of a Man for Star Trek Next Generation, and you're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyhot. Hello and welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I am your returning host from Shore Leave, Richard Marquez, and I am very well rested. I will say, I will tell you that. <laughs> and joined with me today, holding down the fort while I was gone, is Amy Nelson and Justin Ozer. How are you guys doing today? Well, doing great. So glad we're all back together. It's been great and looking forward to recording with you guys again. Uh, yeah, <laughs> doing great. I Well, I had like a little pause there. So what listeners uh, may not know is that it's been a little over a month since we've recorded together. Uh, since Richard was away for a couple of weeks, there was an episode we missed. Plus, this is like the third time that we're trying to record this episode. Not that we record the whole episode, but just a couple minutes here and there. So... Anyway, here Third we go. Third time's the charm. Third time's the charm. We're going to do this, right? <laughs> Great to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> let's let's hope it goes well. <laughs> well, before we go into the episode, uh, we have a couple of Babel Conference feedback for uh, Earl Grey 268, and that would be the Section 31 in TNG. Yeah, so Tim Robertson says, thank you. You all have just totally messed with my headcanon. Well, you're welcome, Tim. <laughs> You're inserting Section 31 into Face of the Enemy and Insurrection and some other things. And, you know, glad we can mess with your perception of those episodes. That was exactly what we wanted to do, right? Yes, because we love annoying Tim at all oh, I didn't costs. say that. Oh, well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We do? <laughs> love you, Tim. <laughs> Little heart, <laughs> <laughs> or there, I don't know how to do yep, that. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Yeah, yeah. My my daughter knows how to do that. Uh. And if you can't see it, <laughs> listeners, he missed the first time. Was that that was like a circle, wasn't it? It was like a it circle. Looked like a, it looked like but binos. There you go. That's exactly yeah. what it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's like we've never done so, this before. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so Chris Trebizo said, "Put your hands together." Still listen, or I'm sorry. I'm, I'm old-fashioned, it's pound sign, but I'll say it like the new people, hashtag, hashtag still listening, another great episode, mashing TNG with a Section 31 spin. Great job, guys. Thanks, Chris. Glad you enjoyed it. Can yeah. I say? We definitely had a lot of fun with that oh, episode, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> we can yeah. always count on Chris to do our hashtag still listening, so thank you for listening <laughs> to the end. Yep. 
Well, we have Mark Keller who said, the discussion on who would be an agent is interesting. I think morality on TNG is pretty black and white, but I can see a scenario where a shady Section 31 mission divides the crew. Riker and Worf are more likely to bend the rules for a good cause than Picard. An example is when Riker and Worf disobey a direct order not to rescue Soren in the outcast. I think they would be susceptible to manipulation by Section 31 if they were sold a convincing argument by the powers that be. Well, thank you, Mark. And yeah, I think I agree with you that uh, Riker and Worf, they would probably be a bit more susceptible to joining Section 31. What do you guys think? I think we established in the previous episode with you and me, Amy, that they're good friends. So why not? Yes. Yeah, I'll need a little bit more to be sold on that, but I I guess, I guess. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, Stefan Ringlein says, wow, you totally blew my mind with this episode. Thank you so much for making it happen. You all bring very different thoughts and insights to the table, and that's great for a discussion. Troy for sure would have made a great agent, and Data and Thomas Riker too. Excellent point. Your episode picks all made sense to me. My headcanon is filled with so many new connections. I love it. Incredible how far you took things. The idea that Sela is an operative meant to fail because that's her mission made me laugh so hard. Thank you, Earl Grey crew, for a fantastic episode. You made me fly high. <laughs> and then uh, he says, friends reference, hashtag still listening, because we were referencing friends in the, at the very end of that episode. Well, thank you, Stefan, and thank you once again for providing us with that idea for the episode and we're so glad to make it happen for you and all the listeners yes thank you i like blowing minds Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes we need a meme that's richard making a face saying i like blowing minds (laughs) 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 nice well um today we're gonna start a brand new series and um it's gonna be we're gonna be discussing deleted scenes from the next generation both the episode's and the movies, and in this episode, we'll be discussing seasons one and two. So, um, I do believe, Justin, you will be reading them? Well, yeah, I, d- I did some research on the various deleted scenes. We'll be talking about seasons one and two, because I'm sure that's more than enough to fill this episode, I think. So, yeah, I think it's exciting to begin a new series. We ended the favorite character moments a little while back, and we had some deleted scenes in our favorite character moments for Nemesis, so that was some of the inspiration for this. So I wanted to say first (laughs) that for the early seasons, well, actually for season one in particular, there is not much. Uh, When I was doing some research, there were a couple of things like some effect shots that weren't used from Encounter at Farpoint and a couple reaction shots, but it's not even worth talking about those things because they're so minor. But one thing I did find, which is not on the Blu-ray or DVD for TNG season one, is that for coming of age, there was a scene that was deleted Uh, Apparently it was shot because we have some images from it uh, that Trek Corps provided, but there's nothing you can watch for it, so there's just a script. So I'm going to read out the script, and for each of these, we're we're just going to kind of talk about our reactions, what it says about the characters, and whether we would have actually wanted to include that in the episode. So as you might remember, coming of age, I think what's important for this one is it's the one where Wesley is doing, you know, the exams to try to get into Starfleet Academy. So... For that scene, uh, basically it starts with Wesley and his friend Jake, who's already taking the exams, you know, in a corridor, they're they're talking. And as the episode aired, you hear Beverly's voice on the comm saying, Acting Ensign Crusher, report to transporter room eight. Uh, 
But in the original script, it actually said Acting Ensign Crusher report to Deck 21 Forward Lounge. Now remember, this is in Season 1. 10 Forward didn't exist yet, so they were thinking of having a 21 Forward Lounge, which is kind of interesting. So basically, he's called there, and you know Jake and Wesley kind of finish up their conversation, as you see in the episode. All right, so then after the scene in the corridor, it's outside the Deck 21 Forward Lounge, uh, and Beverly's waiting for Wesley. So what we're going to do here, since it's just scripted and to make it fun, um, I will do Wesley, and uh, Amy will do the female parts, and Richard will do the male parts that aren't Wesley, and they'll say you know, who it is that's, that's saying the line. So I'll start as Wesley. Mom, I can't be late. Don't worry, you have time. So then we go inside the Deck 21 Forward Lounge. There's a large cake with 17 burning candles in the center of the table. It says, Happy 16th birthday and good luck, Wesley. The whole bridge crew is waiting around a table as Wesley enters with Beverly. He's touched, embarrassed, but also wants to leave. Riker, happy birthday, Wesley. One, two, three. Happy birthday, Wesley. Happy birthday, Wesley. Wesley. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, but it's not until next month. Riker, close enough. Troy, you won't be here next month. After you pass the entrance exam, you'll be on your way to Starfleet Academy. Beverly, go on, make a wish. So Wesley then closes his eyes, thinks a moment, and blows out the candles. Everyone claps as he makes the first cut. Troy takes over and cuts cake for everyone, handing pieces to Riker and Wesley. Riker, you'll breeze right through these te- those tests. I hope so, sir. Riker, I know so. I remember how tough it was for me. He pauses, reliving the fear, then smiles at Wesley. I'm not smiling at you, dude. <laughs> uh, Riker... But you've got brains and family tradition and actual experience. I wish I felt that sure. Jordy, I was scared to death the whole time, but it's good for you. Keeps your adrenaline going. Not that you'll need it, uh, need it, Wes. Troy hands pieces of cake to Data and Worf. Data, thank you. Humans are fascinating. They celebrate the passage of time with such joy until a certain age, and then it becomes a topic of different, uh, some discomfort. I suppose it is because each birthday is another step towards inevitable death. Do Klingons observe uh, birthdays, Worf? Worf. Klingons are born live as warriors and die. Data. Then how do you know how old you are? Worf. I don't. Do you know? Data. I have no age. Data uh, stares at Beverly, who's standing next to Picard. Beverly. Is there something wrong? Data, I am simply trying to understand the celebration of aging. And how old were you when Wesley was born, Doctor? Beverly shouts her piece of cake at him. (laughs) Beverly, have some cake, Data. She leaves him standing there with Picard. Data, I do not understand, sir. Why? (laughs) Picard, you never never ask... That's good advice. You never ask a woman her age, Mr. Data. Data, I am very confused, sir. Picard, some customs will never change. Tasha's calm voice. Acting Ensign Crusher, this is your transporter room. We are ready to beam you down to Relva 7. Thanks for the party, everyone. And the good wishes. They all respond. Good Good luck. luck. Go get them. Go get them. You'll do great. You'll do great. (laughs) Tasha's calm voice. Captain Picard. Picard, touching his communicator. Picard here. Tasha's calm voice. 
We've received communication from Relva 7 that Admiral Gregory Quinn is about to beam on board, sir. Picard, Admiral Gregory Quinn. Why wasn't I informed earlier, Lieutenant? Tasha, we just received the request, sir. Picard gestures to Riker. Picard, I am on my way to the transporter room, Lieutenant. Number one. Picard and Riker follow Wesley and Beverly out the door. That was interesting and fun. <laughs> Good job, guys. I had no idea what it would be like. I thought it would be fun. Um, <laughs> it was. No, no, no. That was fun. That was fun. You know, it really was. I, I mean, I, there was there was a lot of lines for me, but that's okay. That's yeah. Okay. It's actually a pretty long scene. I don't know how long it would be as aired, but you know, it would be at least a couple minutes. So, so Wesley's birthday. And people are talking about, you know, aging and talking about how tough it was at the Academy. I mean, what what do you think of that and what it might have added to the episode? So what I love about this is, I mean, think back to season one data and how curious he is. And I just love the scene between him and Beverly Crusher. And he's trying to figure out how old she is. And it's like, no, you don't ask a woman's age. I mean, I just, I want to see that because I love (laughs) season one data so, so much. And, you know, in, in, in even in season one, there really was, wasn't much, uh, like, personality, really, towards uh, towards these characters until later in, in the seasons. Mm-hmm. So that probably would have broken the ice to, I guess, add some more real personality to these characters and their friendship to each other. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing that I thought was really interesting is, you know, Data and Worf were talking about age and Klingon saying, I mean, Klingon saying, Worf saying... We're saying Klingons are born, live as warriors, and die. And Data's asking, "Do you know how do you know how old you are?" And he says, "I don't," which I think is kind of weird. And then Data says he has no age. So, like, okay, what? I mean, like they've been Data was activated at a certain point. Worf was born at a certain point. It's a little odd, right? Yeah, because Data would know exactly how old he is at all times <laughs> because right. he's a computer, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I would think that it, uh, Data would understand that more than. Like, warp. I think yeah. that's the one part. Like, maybe you could cut out those those couple of lines because they're a little weird. But I kind of agree with you guys. Like, it's giving them some personality. There's a little backstory about how things were tough at the academy for Riker and Jordy, and you're just learning a little bit more. And you know, it's Wesley's birthday. It, d- it does kind of break things up because in that in coming of age, I mean, there's two serious things that are happening. You know, Wesley is taking this exam. He's really worried about how he's going to do. And then there's this test where he thinks somebody's going to die because of his decisions. And then at the same time, you know, you hear it in this scene, Quinn is coming aboard because he wants to do, you know, this investigation because he thinks something was wrong, which leads to conspiracy later in the season. So there's a lot of like heavy stuff and this would have probably broken it up nicely, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, are we agreed we would have been interested to see this? Do we really see birthdays besides Worf actually celebrate a birthday? And we see Worf's birthday in parallels. Well, but later on, I mean, yeah. it, not in season one. I mean, it's it's is what I meant. I don't yeah. um, think so as much. I mean, probably you know some listener will tell us where there was one, but but I I really don't think as much. I mean, when you think of celebrations, yeah, I I don't know. I think of things later on, like Worf's birthday or Captain Picard Day or something like that, right? Man, that would suck. You can't celebrate your, you don't celebrate your birthday. Yeah, there's not a lot of <laughs> annual celebrations they, going on. They do. We just but, don't see them in these episodes. We don't yeah. see like every day that they go through, right? So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and like there's all these in this TrekCore article, which I'll try to link to in the, in the show notes, you know, it does show some images from this scene. So it was shot and it's somewhere. We just don't have access to actually look at it. So maybe one day. Oh. Yeah. And I think it's funny that Troy's serving cake and she isn't the cake this time. So that's always oh. good. <laughs> <laughs> Takes on new meaning with what happens later, right? <sighs> so, yeah. I mean, and also it notes in the Trekor article that that it might actually be the most well-publicized deleted scene that wasn't released because there are photos of this sequence that were in Starlog magazine, the official TNG magazine, Larry Nemechek's TNG companion, I mean, and some other publications in the Star Trek magazine. So they thought this was going to be in there and they published photos that went a lot of places, but it never aired. So interesting. So that's what we have to talk about for season one. Uh, So yeah, I think we would have wanted to include that should we head on over to season two which has quite a bit more than one yes yeah okay so now what i'm gonna do is is go like in order of the episodes and a lot of this actually most of it except for the first thing that we'll talk about is on the tng season two blu-ray for the deleted scenes and for the extended measure of a man but one thing that I have in here is there were actually six deleted scenes from the child which was the first episode of season two and I think it explains in the article they were just found there was like a a a print of them that were found just too late to include on the the blu-ray back in 2012 but we do have video of these that Trekcore has posted and again put a link in the in the show notes and it has like all six of the scenes (laughs) so yeah and and they Trekcore has their commentary too so I'll kind of go over uh, each of, of the scenes, and, and we'll talk about it. Some of them are kind of significant. Others may be a little bit more minor. But So basically, the first scene is when, you know, Troy returns to her quarters. She know that, knows that she's, you know, pregnant with this this being. And she's basic. it's it's kind of a short scene where she's in her quarters and, and saying, <clears throat> you know, it won't be long now. Soon you'll arrive and so many questions will be answered. So I, I wondered first... Amy, uh, Trekcore is quite critical of this line and this scene, but I, I, I wonder what, what you thought and what this might have added. Well, it's interesting. Um, number one, because she's definitely talking to the child. So you see that she's developing a relationship with this child. So I, I like it. I don't know that the line is that terrible. Um, they sort of <laughs> critique it harshly. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, I can see why it was cut because it doesn't really add anything. But if when seeing it, you see that she is starting to develop this relationship with a child, which is only natural for a, a woman, you know, to have this bond with a being growing inside of you. Yeah. What do you think, Richard? I like the line, actually. Um, adds a little personality to uh, to the whole entire thing or a little bit more personality to the thing. I think it... I mean, it's very. I, I thought. I. I mean, I don't see a problem with it. I thought it was very touching, and yeah. um, it was actually nice. It is touching. But if it, I don't know what what the reason is why they would want to do that, but okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I I can see why why they cut it because you know back then they'd shoot a certain amount and would have to get to a pretty strict length, and they're like, oh, we can chop off ten seconds here or whatever. But 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, when I think about it, I'm like, okay. I mean, it's 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 not that bad. It's kind of take it or leave it. I'm not like, oh, it's terrible that it wasn't included, but it's. I think it's it's kind of interesting. And of course, listeners can watch it and judge for themselves with these scenes. So that's the first one. Now the the second scene uh, from the child is with um, this guy Hester Delt, who in the child is. Let me see if I remember right. He's helping with these things that are being transported on board that are giving off, that they find later giving off the radiation. Is that right? Yeah, they're the viruses that they created to try and create vaccines for type of scenario. Yeah. So, so, so he's helping out with that. And like, what's interesting about this is that the scene, like the, the, the actual scene was used, but they put a captain's log voiceover um, over and and, in, and instead of actually seeing the the dialogue, so and and when you actually watch the dialogue again, Trekcore is kind of critical about this, and I think I kind of agree with them because the the dialogue that that this guy I don't know if it's the dialogue itself or the actor, but it feels kind of like a little stilted and like maybe it would have hurt some of the momentum and it was good to put a captain's lock over it. But I, what do you think, Richard? Yeah, I agree with it, actually. Um, when I was watching it, actually, earlier today, I, I could see that. I could see why they did that. Uh, it, it, I kind of sort of blanked out in this in this scene because it really wasn't that interesting to me. So I'm glad that they did that. I mean, that. I, I don't have quotes for the lines, but it's really inconsequential stuff. But it, it's kind of funny. Like, he's going around and he's like, good, this is really good. All right. I mean, it's like totally doesn't add anything, right? So the captain's log, no. I think, makes sense. But what do you think, Amy? Yeah, and I sort of agree with you. It's interesting that they chose this actor because he's just so rigid. And so for him to be just going around doing his thing, it's like, why do I need to see this? We know already from just meeting him from the first second we see him, like his character is just so rigid and he's going to be double checking everything. I guess it was filmed originally to come to put across the point that he's going to do everything in his power to make it right. But we already get that from his personality. So, yeah, I think it is one of those things. They probably watched it and they were like, uh, this is going to kind of hurt the momentum of the episode. So I think they sounds like we all feel they made the the smart choice. Okay. So the third scene is from the, the birth scene. So in this one, you know, basically Pulaski, there's a couple of things that happen. Pulaski gives the the weight of the child, contacts Picard about the baby. Picard gives his best wishes. Riker lets Worf know a little bit later that security can leave. So it's it's kind of like there are things that are going on that were like a little bit cut here and then what was aired a little bit cut there. So there's kind of like a a, a few other things that were added. But yeah, what, what do you guys think about this, Amy? I actually would have appreciated this scene in number one because when Pulaski gives the weight and that it's a baby boy I mean it was six pound three ounces like it's sort of humanizing this child and it's like this is you know a being and we've got weight and you know now it has a name of course we knew that before but you know it's a baby boy and it's just sort of that obligatory, all right, here's your baby and here's the stats about it. So I sort of would have liked to have seen that one. Okay. There, there are a couple parts. I, I just wanted to, to add one thing because like at the end, I think there there is this part where 
uh, you know, Riker is like, okay, you can be dismissed now. But it's it's like heavily implied that's what happened before. That part maybe is a little bit unnecessary. But I could see like that some of the details about the child and Picard giving his congratulations might have, you know, maybe added a little something. I don't know. Um, I I mean I I I I'm in agree and said that they should have kept in the the baby's weight and all that kind of stuff. But like, um, I don't know about Picard uh, saying congratulations because it doesn't seem very personal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you would think that a, ba- a birth of a child, the captain would actually physically be there, or well, maybe not physically be there, but like later on, uh, tell her to her face, face to face, hey, you know, congratulations on your uh, baby yeah. and. You know, and say hi and, and whatnot. I think that's, but then again, Picard really wasn't personal back then either. So right, and maybe that. Yeah. yeah, and one thing that I wrote down in my notes is like it seemed so strained, and I think that sort of goes to Picard's doubt of what in the heck is going on with this being in my in my counselor, my ship's counselor, and on my ship, and you know. Uh, so I sort of almost would have agreed to see that because it's, again, showing Picard's doubt, but he's still being proper, I guess you would say. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. So maybe a little mixed verdict, <laughs> but uh, maybe some some bits, but not others. But yeah, I think this it's just for me, like in watching these, it was just interesting to see the process because they were making all of these decisions for every episode, like, okay, is that necessary? Let's say five seconds here, 10 seconds there. I just find that kind of interesting. Okay, so there is a fourth scene here, which I think is is quite interesting because it's a scene in, in the transporter room. And basically, it's just a little bit of an addition where Data has to identify himself. And when he has to identify himself, he doesn't just say Data. He says, NFN NMI data, which actually stands for no first name, no middle initial. And there's actually a couple of other places in, in A Measure of a Man, actually, uh, later in, in the season where you see a reference to that. I think it's on the case that he has and like some diploma he has or something. But it's this is the only place that's said out loud and that was that was cut. So, Amy, what do you think about this scene? I love it. When I was watching it and I I didn't have this uh, script pulled up. And so I kept rewinding because I'm like, NFN, NMI. He said it so (laughs) fast. And I was like, is that an N? Is that an M? But then, yeah, no first name, no no middle initial. And so now we've got Data's first name and middle initial, NFN, NMI, Data. (laughs) I love it. That's like a little bit of trivia. Uh, that we all love hearing about. So I'm so glad that we are covering this. And it was something like before I saw this deleted scene, I was never aware that that was the intention. But what do you think of this, Richard? Um, I like it. Um, it it's it was a bit confusing um, why the scene was there for uh, in the first place. But yeah, I mean, it just, it actually adds to a little bit to a scene that was already there in the transporter room. It's just like inserting right. a little bit, but. Yeah, I kind of like it too. I mean, what's interesting is like in a certain way, it almost makes Data like more alien because he's the one that's like no first name, no middle initial. Because there are other people that we see like Guinan where they're just referred to as one name. And yeah, for alien species, maybe you can do that. But having this this designator in front of it that's basically like, I have no first name, no middle initial. It's just Data. But like formalizing that, like that's his real name, I think makes him even more different, which is interesting. 
Well, and I love seeing this again because, you know, sometimes above the doors, it has GNDN, goes nowhere, does nothing, you know? So just these little bits of humor that the uh, art department is throwing in, I just think is great and so fun. Yeah, I mean, the, the GNDN, which is from the original series that you see like in the background on the Enterprise, which means goes nowhere, does nothing, which is funny. But I think for this one, I don't, I think it's a little bit different because it was meant to be like, this is really what he's called and what he's accepted that he's called. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but there's some humor in it. They could have come up with just some other random letters, you know, but. Okay. <laughs> GNDN data. <laughs> oh, that would be terrible. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, but do, do you guys think, would you have liked to have had that little bit included and not cut? Well, we do get more O'Brien, so sure. I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, it, it to me, it's kind of implied. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I guess, I mean, okay. I don't know. I, I feel Dea's pain. I, I mean, I don't have a middle name either. Me neither. Really? So, you know, that's funny because I got my, on one of my IDs, it says Richard N. Marquez. And I'm like, Rich, Richard NMI Marquez. That's exactly what it is because that's what Wait, I Wait, both of you have no, I'm the only one on this podcast that has a middle name. That is true. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So I might as well put out there trivia. My middle name is Reed, R-E-E-D. Oh, nice. I, I'm, it's it's um yeah I think it's actually like a, a British spelling of that name and for some reason my parents were interested in giving me that I don't know that fits with you I'm Does so it? glad to know this yeah it would fit more if it was R E A D because I really like to read books that but. is true <laughs> but how would they know that when you were born <laughs> <laughs> so good good yeah. point good point that's good I like it I like it <laughs> wow read alert there you go yes. read alert oh boy there is that <laughs> oh yeah um, wow so now we know trivia about Data's names and everyone's middle names on this podcast I never thought we would go there <laughs> <laughs> so after that scene there is a fifth scene from the child and it's basically a small scene where you know Ian is is in I guess he's in Troy's quarters He's looking at like a glass of lemonade and he's kind of curious and he just kind of pours it on himself and like wipes his pants just to because out of curiosity. And I think it's kind of interesting because this this would have been before when you see later he's in their quarters and he just like puts his hand, his finger in the hot soup and says, oh, I burned myself. So I don't know. I, would it have been interesting to see this like a little bit of curiosity before we even get to that scene? What do you think, Richard? You know, after reading that, that makes sense on what he was trying to do. I, I, I was like, what is he doing? Is <laughs> yeah, because when you just see it, it's it's like he just pours it on himself and wipes it, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It, it, there was no context to it, and I, I just saw the scene. I'm like, um, okay, that's weird. But um, that makes sense after reading that. Um, yeah, I think it could be deleted, yeah, because it really – I mean, I child's curious. I get it, but like – I mean, mm. really, do we need to see it <laughs> like that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you, Richard. When I watched it, I was like, well, what's happening? And it, they show it so much better with him purposefully, you know, putting his finger and experiencing the hot. 
where this he was experiencing, I guess, wet. I, I, yeah. I don't know. It was not shot well. I didn't really know what it was doing, what its purpose. So I, I agree with you. It, it, we didn't need it. So good to be deleted. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I yeah, I don't know if it would add a huge amount, but I kind of like it just adding a little bit. But it's not strictly necessary because you do get the point with the soup scene, right? Yeah, I think it's much stronger with the other scene. Fair enough. So the sixth and last uh, deleted scene from the child. So in this scene, it is Wesley arriving at the bridge. And I, if I remember right, because it's been a little bit since I've seen this, it, it's just an additional thing where he just like arrives at the bridge and is at like the console <laughs> and that's it. So yeah, it doesn't seem necessary. What do you guys think? I concur. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> why was this even shock? Because it doesn't add anything. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. It's like one of those things. I'm sure they had all kinds of shots on TNG where they were like, all right, let's get this shot. And let's, they talk about coverage for like everything that's happening in the scene. This isn't really that. But anyway, I, yeah, it, it is interesting because it, it's probably the most insignificant thing of all of these things. Yes. But it's included because it was the sixth difference. So yeah, I think we're saying didn't need to see that. So yeah. So that's interesting. So I, I was just making notes here. And I think on the six, um, there are. Yeah, I think there are at least a few that that we might have had some interest in in seeing, like the the data scene and maybe a little bit of the birth scene, and maybe that line with Troy in her quarters. But yeah, I, I don't think any of them are like earth shattering. Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> like yeah. why didn't they include this? At least so far. Now, for the next one that we'll get to. And I think this one is super interesting because it comes from the Measure of a Man Extended Edition. Now, we've talked a little bit about this, listeners, and also when we had the interview with Melinda Snodgrass, who is a writer of the Measure of a Man, she talked about that there was this extended version. So basically what happened, I mean, I think it was often the case that they would shoot a good deal more than they needed, and they'd edit out what they needed to. But it's basically 13 additional minutes of footage. Melinda Snodgrass had kept the tape of that full edition. And so when the time came around for the the Blu-ray, you know, they found that she had this and they actually went ahead and upgraded that additional 13 minutes to to HD. Um, So you can see this on the the TNG season two Blu-ray as an extended version of the episode. And thank goodness she did. Absolutely. Because, I mean, we'll have discussion about some of these, but I think that in some ways, the extended edition may have some things that are even better than what's in the the aired episode. So I I kind of, it it doesn't break it out like here's the differences on the Blu-ray. So I did some research and like broke out some of the differences on our outline here and we'll we'll talk about it because there's I think seven different um, scenes that that are basically added for those additional minutes. So we'll kind of go through uh, each of them. So there is uh, a scene uh, toward the beginning where, you know, Picard and Nakamura and, and Maddox beam aboard the Enterprise from the station, and Picard and Nakamura are kind of reminiscing about their days aboard the USS Reliant, different than the Reliant and Wrath of Khan. But um, yeah, and they just have like a little discussion. Picard was an ensign, Nakamura was a lieutenant. It maybe gives them a little bit more history, but I'm curious what you guys think of that, uh, Amy? So in watching this, it was, and thankfully I had your notes because I would not have been able to pick out these deleted scenes. <laughs> I mean, it's just so seamless. 
Um, however, I could have, I mean, I have lived without it and I, I don't know. I see that you're saying that it adds a little bit more. We get more history, you know, and sort of imagining Picard as an ensign, like that's sort of crazy. And how long ago was that? But I'm fine without having that scene. Okay. And Richard? Um, I could see, I mean, we've obviously seen Nakamura's um, tension with Picard, maybe not tension, but like, you know, ribbing him and uh, and whatnot about going to the Admiral's Ball. Uh, right. But like, yeah, and, and you know, that's great and everything, but like, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, even even if they added it, I mean, it doesn't take away from right. that kind of scene. So, I mean, it, it, give or take, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. I'd be okay with uh, with deleting it so yeah okay yeah i could see that it's it's kind of a little it's a little minor i just thought maybe it'd be a a a bit interesting to to know more i think it's actually the only mention of picard being on this uss reliant as an ensign because i don't think anything that was included any of the episodes actually mentioned this so it's just kind of a maybe an interesting bit of, of trivia Okay, so the second scene happens a little bit later. So we've gotten to the point in the episode where um, basically uh, Maddox wants to disassemble Data. Data's saying, well, and and Maddox is saying, you know, I want to transfer uh, Data. So there's actually a, a scene that was deleted where Picard's kind of confronting Nakamura about the the, the transfer. So He's in his ready room. Nakamura's on the monitor. I only have like a short description in the outline, so I'll talk a little bit about it to describe it a little bit more for for listeners. So Picard's basically saying that Nakamura didn't consult him about the transfer, that Data's a key bridge officer. Nakamura says Maddox's work is important to Starfleet Command, and it could allow every ship to have a Data on board. And he says that the solution is to have Data work with Maddox, Nakamura out. So it's it's kind of like they have this discussion and this back and forth. And, you know, Picard's trying to, to, to kind of argue this. But there's a little bit more. So, you know, because in the, that actually seeks into the aired part of it, which is where Data comes in. Because that whole part with that conversation was cut in the aired episode and you just see Data come in. And they're they're talking in in that scene that was aired, and Picard's you know saying that a solution presents itself to have data work with Maddox. So he's actually echoing the language that Nakamura used. So I think it's interesting to kind of see it in that context. Uh, I mean, Richard, what do you think about this scene? Yeah, delete it. <laughs> okay, what, why? What, what what doesn't it uh, add for you? Well, I don't know. I mean, unless they talk about it in, uh, later on in the episode, I mean, really, there's no if there's no mention of it in the episode later on, then there's no really mention. You know what I mean? Like like an actual da- uh, <laughs> data transfer. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like because um, I don't remember in the episode. It doesn't that- reference it later, but I'll, I'll hold my thoughts on it because I I just want to see what you have to say, Amy. Yeah, I really. Th- think it's good to have and however dot 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 after thinking about it I do see why it was deleted because we get that language um yeah it's Picard and Nakamura talking and so we see that it's this direct order it's coming straight from Starfleet like we we feel that and and then the purpose is to have a, a data on every ship 
But by deleting that and then having that reveal a little bit later sort of adds and builds the tension. And it's like, oh, this is slavery and sort of makes the discussion with Guinan a little bit more powerful because it's like, if we, if it was kept in, we would have been thinking that all along the way. So I love that it's there, but I can see why they took it out because I think it builds and adds to the suspense of this story. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to disagree with both of you guys because for, for me, like when I'm thinking about whether it's worth having a scene in, it should, you know, serve a purpose for something that feels like a hole in the story. And actually for me, this has always felt like a hole in the story. Like Maddox says, here's the transfer orders. And the next thing that you see is Data comes into Picard's ready room and he's like, you got to do it. You got to work with him and all of that, which I love Measure of Man and I always have, but it's actually always bothered me that you don't, that you didn't see Picard, you know, argue for it at, at that point. And I actually also would have liked that he's saying about, you know, having a data on every ship because it kind of drops it in there. And I think later on you would have forgotten about it and it would have been this thread through the episode. So I actually think it would have been great. And it would, at least in my mind, it would have filled a hole that I've always felt was there where Picard is very quickly going to, hey, data, you got to do this. So anyway, that's just my. That's why I think it's good to have. I was just saying I could see why they deleted it. Oh, I could totally see why they yeah. they deleted it, but I but like when I see the episode, I feel like it adds something to it for me in viewing it. Mhm. Makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like for all these scenes listeners, we'll definitely be interested to hear what, what you think whether you want to to include some of these. Uh I mean and also if you have the season 2 Blu-ray and you haven't watched the extended version, you really should. It's quite interesting. So that's the second scene. There's um, a, a third scene, which, again, I just have a short description on, on the outline. Basically, this takes place after, let me see, I think this is after, you know, basically Picard has said you have to go through with this transfer, and then I think, you know, Data wants to resign from, from Starfleet. Yeah, he has resigned. Yeah, he's resigned at that point, but it's before they kind of go through and have the case, and Maddox says you can't do that and all of that. So it's Data actually going to see Geordi in engineering, and he has his Sherlock Holmes pipe, and he wants to give Geordi that that pipe. And in the scene, you know, Data says, you know, Geordi's quite irreplaceable as Watson, and that he should have the pipe. And so Geordi takes it, and he says thanks. And Geordi says Starfleet is is like a big family. They'll see each other again, maybe even serve again together. So Data asks if Geordi has considered... Uh, what he would do outside of Starfleet. And Geordi says, well, no, I'm a career officer. This is my life. Then he thinks about it for a little bit and says, I can't even conceive of what I'd do. Uh, and then Data replies, nor can I. And then he walks away. Uh, so Geordi considers that a little bit and kind of lets out a, a sigh. So what do you guys think about that? Uh, let me start with you, Amy. I loved seeing this scene. First of all, Data handing over the pipe from Sherlock Holmes. That was so tender and that he wanted Jordy to have it as a remembrance. I definitely, that needs to stay in for sure, for sure. It was very interesting to hear them talk about what they would do outside. I found it a little incredulous that Jordy was like, no, I could not imagine leaving Starfleet. Okay. Both of his parents have been in Starfleet though. Yeah, but I get that you have a career 
I mean, my brother has served in the military for now going on 20 years. I, I get that that's your career, but really you can't imagine what you're going to do hmm. not in Starfleet. I don't know. I just found it incredulous, just a little tiny bit. I love teaching. I'm always going to be a teacher. But yeah, I can think of stuff I'd rather do, you know, if you have to, like if you're being forced out. Um, so I just, that one little part annoyed me that Jordy said that I get that data would say it, okay. but I love the whole Sherlock Holmes pipe and the reference to that. That what that was just brilliant to me. Hmm. What do you think, Richard? Hmm. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It's very, it's a very touching scene. I think it should have been uh, kept. I'm in the same boat as AB when it comes to him discussing uh, life outside of Starfleet, which is kind of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, I mean, you have nothing outside. You don't want to do anything outside of Starfleet. That's kind of depressing, really. It made I me mean, sad for him when I was watching the scene. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't want to go on a freighter and fix that up or something like that, or maybe a luxury liner or and fix that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well. Well, like, so, I mean, I, I, I agree with the things that you guys like about the scene. I think it is really touching. And, uh, like, first of all, seeing this reflection where, you know, Data's resigned and he's like, okay, what am I going to do? Let me go to my friend Jordy and ask him. And it's a nice callback to Elementary Dear Data, which happened, you know, a short time before this in the season. And it is a really touching conversation. Like, what, what I thought about when Jordy says, like, I can't imagine anything else is that for Jordy, this is his dream job. This is what he has always wanted to, to, to do, to serve in Starfleet on the flagship. Now, it is a little weird that he's not an engineer in the first season, and then he's, all, he's in engineering. But I think at this point, like it's his dream job, so he can't imagine doing anything else. So I can, I can maybe buy it a little bit more, but maybe that should have been written a little bit differently. But I love this scene, too. I think that it's also sad that Data can't imagine what else he would do, right? And it's not too often that you see conversations where people are considering what they would do outside of Starfleet. So I I, I love it. Yeah, I think this would have been a really great addition. All right, so let's go on to the next scene. So for this one, basically, this this is a little bit later and when there's a farewell party, which you do have in the aired episode, but it's kind of an extended version um, of that farewell party. And there, there's actually quite a bit. I mean, I don't know, it's probably like five minutes that's cut out and it kind of, and so I'll just kind of describe some of the things that, that happen um, in the scene. Uh, so, so basically, you know, in the aired episode, there, there's a present that Data opens. It's kind of that amusing scene where they're talking about, okay, Data, you can rip the wrapping paper, right? But it's, uh, but it's before he goes off to see Jordy after that little bit. So, um, so basically, Data's talking with Pulaski, um, and and Pulaski says she didn't give him a present, but will give him something far more valuable. And she says, "My advice." Uh, she says he should consider the wonderful experience of groundside living, which I assume means living on a planet. <laughs> so Data says, "Thank you. I will take that under advisement." That's the point at which he then goes to see Jordy, like you see in in the aired episode, and then. You, it goes back to seeing Troy and Riker talking. So Riker, you know, asks if she can feel anything from Data, from her empathic senses. So Troy says she can sense nothing from Data, but that doesn't prove anything, that there are many minds from which she can get no meaning. So Riker says, 
um, that data must be more than chips and nets. So Troy says it's possible we're anthropomorphizing data. And Riker says he's not sure he sees that as a problem. Then Maddox comes in to tend forward at this point, which again is not in the aired episode. So Riker's kind of hostile toward him. He wasn't invited to this farewell celebration. And so Maddox says he wants to know Data's plan. So it kind of harking back to the previous scene, like what are you going to do outside of Starfleet? So Data says, and I'm just going to quote here, they're currently indefinite, but my programming offers a number of alternatives. I am considering teaching. I've had some success with my star pupil. He smiles and puts a hand on Wesley's shoulder at that point. So Maddox then says, I have a better idea, carnival work. They could bill you as a walking encyclopedia, which of course is very insulting. So Worf then kind of approaches Maddox really menacingly, and Riker puts out a hand to keep Worf back. Um, So Picard asks Riker through his comm badge to come to the transporter room, and then Riker starts to push Maddox out and says, you were just leaving, I'll escort you. And then the scene ends. So, and, and in the context, the very next scene is where, I think the next scene is when Riker's considering about, about the prosecution of the case or something like that. So there's a number of different parts there. There's a part with Data and Pulaski, with Troy and Riker. Maddox comes in to crash the party. Uh, Richard, what do you think of all this? Huh. I, I mean, I like the, I like the, uh, the idea of the, well, I don't know about um, an extended version of the Data's uh, farewell party. I mean, it kind of takes a blow to the uh to the party i mean it, it's yeah. just it it it, it kind of takes away from um, what the party was and yeah i think i think it would be best to delete yeah that's a good idea the, the whole that. thing all the conversations everything with maddox yeah because it just it, it it just i mean there's no need for him crashing the party and insulting data i mean it, it it just it just seems a little bit too overboard hmm. i mean it i mean there there's already like tension between him and maddox anyway especially with the trial and, and and whatnot, and then, you know, basically dismantling him and everything. But, like, it's just to add more that he, it, what seems like he hates him. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, just, it just seems a little bit overboard. What do you think, Amy? All right. Well, I definitely want to see this. Well, I have seen it, but I think it should be kept. Um, but I'm going to sort of go through and just give my notes about each little scene. Um <laughs> Pulaski, when I saw this, I was like, man, she sure is full of herself. I'm going to give you my advice because that's <laughs> the best present. I was like, oh, come on now, Pulaski. That was just my initial reaction. Um, I think for sure, for sure, we need that conversation between Riker and Troy when he's asking her, can you sense, can you feel any emotion from him? You know, and she's she just matter-of-factly states, there are, you know, a lot of species that I can't feel and that we may be anthropomorphizing. I just thought that was so, so good and for her to stay objective um, and then to sort of put that in our minds, our, in the viewer's mind, that, yeah, this is data. He's a machine. Um, so I liked that. Um, and, yeah, having Maddox come, that definitely sets him up as mean, bad boy, that, you know, we hate him and he's the enemy of this episode. And I'm okay with that, actually, because um, then it makes actually in, is it Data's Day where he's writing to Maddox? Yeah, that's in Data's Day. It makes it just a little bit more sweeter and that forgiveness, 
you know, that they share between Maddox and Data a little bit sweeter because he is such a jerk and that insulting. Go join the carnival. Who yeah. says that? I couldn't <laughs> even believe that. I I gasped. I that is mean. So I definitely viewers go watch this because it's a, it's a great addition to the. Episode. So, so you would have kept all parts of it. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I mean there are a, a number of different parts to it, right? I mean the part with with Pulaski, I, th- I think it's interesting that she's she's giving her advice. I, I could have actually probably done I, as much as I love seeing Pulaski. I probably could have done without that little bit, but you know I I did like the part with with Troy and Riker where they were talking about data. Do you remember Amy is there another place where they talk about Troy not being able to sense anything from data? There probably is later on. I just can't think of it offhand. No, I think that's the only time in this episode. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's nice to get her interpretation. Yeah, to get her interpretation which is which is really nice and interesting and yeah, the the part with Maddox like w- what I like about that is that I think it makes sense because Basically, this has been a big part of his work, and you know, Data choosing to resign is something that I think he's very resentful of, which you maybe see a little bit, but this kind of crystallizes that. And I don't know. When I watch the extended version, it makes it it makes it I think even better that he kind of comes back to a point in the trial where he can really recognize him as amazing. So. I actually would have kept most of it except for the Pulaski part. So split decision maybe. But I mean, it, it's it's interesting how much they shot there. I mean, it's, it's quite a long scene with that and what was, what was already aired. So mm-hmm. very interesting. All right. So we've got a couple more from The Measure of a Man. So the next one is a fencing scene. So basically we see Picard fencing. I think it's kind of in the same room where you see him in the first season and we'll always have Paris. But I think unlike that, he doesn't actually have like a fencing mask on. And my first thought was like, that seems a little dangerous. But anyway, so Picard's fencing with some other person on on the ship. Random guy that we don't really see otherwise, I think. And there are a couple of quotes I want to put in here. So, so, So Riker comes into the room and this is basically, you know, after they know that this, this trial is, is coming, right? Um, and Picard says, number one, I had no idea you were interested in swordplay. And Riker says, hardly. It's too close to our real contest. Picard says, you and me are not the issue. And Riker says, isn't it? This is about data, but it's our performance, which will be judged. So Picard <laughs> is basically then giving a response while he, he's continuing to, to fence. Riker says he's going to give it his best. Picard fences and scores a point on random crewman guy and gives like a little smile. And he says, so am I, like I'll give it my best too. And then Riker then leaves. So it's kind of a, a short scene where Riker is, I don't know, maybe just trying to talk about the situation and wondering like what it's going to be like and Picard's fencing. I don't know. <laughs> Richard, what do you think about this scene? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess I could, I could see, I could see the, uh, where tension can, uh, uh, can, cu- uh, c- can like build. I mean, cause I mean, really you don't, when I'm watching the episode, it kind of feels like they're both on the same side. Mm-hmm. And I guess this kind of uh, scene uh, would actually set that apart. Yeah. So, yeah, I, could, I, guess, I, could, I guess I could see that. Okay. Uh, Amy? I'm sort of sitting on the fence. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? <laughs> yep. 
For one, I like that we are getting reconfirmed that Riker is going to do his best. Like that sort of is the point, but it's like he was sort of told to do his best. And if he wasn't doing the best, then Philippa would, you know, make the ruling here and there. And, you know, so we sort of already knew that he was having to do his best. So for him to come and just, I don't know, brag to Picard, I sort of felt a little uneasy, but I can see that. Yeah, we want to see that combative that it's like, okay, I'm here to, and that whole fencing sort of put them at odds, like Richard was saying, that combative that, yes, this is going to be a fair trial, if you will. So I'm in my thoughts, I'm going to first start with something that has nothing to do with the dialogue, but Patrick Stewart is doing a great job at fencing, right? And because the mask is off, you know that it's him. <laughs> so I actually really enjoyed that about the scene because I think... Yeah, I think when he's doing it with Guinan, you're pretty sure that's Patrick Stewart. But I think in We'll Always Have Paris, it seems a little weird because he has a mask on pretty much the whole time. But mm. anyway, I, I liked seeing him fence and he was just like fierce with the fencing sword. But anyway, uh, for what they're saying, yeah, I think it is interesting that it kind of builds up a little bit of, of tension. I think Riker came by because he's kind of conflicted about it in some way and needs someone to talk to. And he's just found Picard wherever he is because it's not you know, it's at a fairly inconvenient moment. So I think it's kind of interesting and adds a little something, but I could definitely see how it didn't necessarily need to be there. Yeah. All right. So for the next scene, so this is actually a scene that's in Data's quarters where Picard and Data are kind of reviewing the the legal strategy. So you know, Picard is actually sitting down in Data's quarters and he's kind of interviewing him for, for this. So he says, all right, I'm going to have to know everything about you. <laughs> so Data says that's in the Enterprise computer. And Picard says he wants to hear it from Data, like his version of it. So Data starts with the technical details. Activation occurred 27 years ago. Entered the Academy in 2344. And, and Picard's like, okay. He actually stands up and he says, okay, you can stop there. Um, I need to know how you think, what you want, how you feel. I need to know what drives you and what motivates you. So then I think he goes around to to Data's desk, and there's a display of his medals, like a little box with his medals, which you actually see later in, in the trial. So, you know, Data asks, you know, why does Picard have this line of questioning about how he feels, what he wants, what he thinks? So Picard says, I have to prove that you are a sentient life form. And Data says, but I am not, sir. I am a machine. Uh, so then Picard said, Data, that's not what I need to hear. And Data says, how can we deny the obvious? Picard says, by searching for an argument that will legally deny that obvious fact. And Data protests. And then Picard says, the law recognizes many things as people that aren't possessed of flesh and blood. It's a little legal fiction. And then Data throws in a comment, which comes from, let's see, Shakespeare's Henry VI Part Second about, about uh, killing all the lawyers, and he's understanding that comment. And then Picard raises, kind of raises an eyebrow and sighs and, and the scene ends. So there's like this little interview that Picard has before the, the trial. So Amy, what do you think of this scene? I loved it. I thought it was so funny when Picard's like, all right, well, tell me everything. And Data's like, well, it's in the computers. Well, I want to hear it from you. And then he just spouts off things that the computer would have said. No, Data, that's not what I want. And he's like, but I told you it was in the computer. I just, oh, I chuckled. That was so funny. 
And I sort of felt like Picard was, oh, shoot, I don't know the phrase, but where you're priming the witness or whatever, you know, to make them go your way. And yeah, I think like during the trial, it's leading the witness. Yeah, leading yeah. the witness. <laughs> and, you know, um, but to his point, you know, and Data admits he is a machine. And so it's just even better when Picard's like, okay, we're going to, you know, come about this at a different angle and, you know, get a bit of legal fiction, as he says. And so I I think this scene is great and it, it builds up and, you know, sort of supports what we see in the trial, you know, when Picard's pulling out, well, here's these medals, here's Tosh's thing. So I really liked this scene. Okay. Richard, what do you think? Yeah, I like it too. Um, it's very, it's, um, it, it adds more to the, it adds more to the whole entire trial and it, you know, adds a little, a little, uh, I mean, it kind of, you kind of see where Picard's going and everything. And I mean, ma- uh, make it favorable to, uh, to him. So, I mean, yeah, I, I really, I really like it. I think it should have been added. So, yeah. And it really adds to when Picard stands up for his defense, it's like, when Picard says, by Data's own admission, he is a machine. And we have that deleted scene to support what he's saying. So I thought that was great. So I agree with everything you guys are saying, but there's one thing about it that makes me uncomfortable, hmm. which is that, you know, uh, let me actually go to the the part here. So, you know, Picard says, I have to prove that you're a sentient life form. And Data says, but I am not, sir. I am a machine. So Data is saying that he's not sentient. And Picard saying, well, we need a little legal fiction. I mean, and in the trial, he's not, of course, going to say, well, Data admits he's not sentient. He says, Data admits he's a machine. You know, we admit that, but he's a different kind of machine. You know, we're chemical machines. He's this other kind of machine, which totally makes sense. But that one line bothers me, Data denying that he's sentient, because, you know, you come, I mean, actually, in the course of the trial, you know, Picard comes to the point where people are uncertain, like, is he sentient? I don't know. You know, do you know? And Philippe Lavois, who's like, the judge of this, is like, I don't know, but we need to give him the ability to explore that, which I like. So out of this whole scene, I, I, I think it's fine with him admitting he's a machine. I don't like Data saying, I am not sentient. That bothers me because I've always thought of him as sentient. And him saying that, it kind of jarred me. I was like, I don't think I like that. (laughs) So I'm actually glad that was cut, but I like the rest of the scene. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, maybe by him thinking he's not sentient adds to Data's overall character arc through the season, where now after he considers himself sentient because he's getting a broader definition because of the trial. Hmm. Well, I could see that. What do you think, Richard? <laughs> you know, thinking about it in obviously hindsight, obviously, um, maybe it's a good thing that they didn't add all that into the episode because I mean, and the reason why I say that is that it doesn't give him room to grow. As in, like you know, if he if he doesn't like say for say for instance, like if he were to say that if he felt like he was uh, essentially. Uh, uh, Essential be God, I can't even talk. <laughs> Essential be you know what I mean. <laughs> so like if they if they started out that way and said that he he feels like he is one, then it would just ruin the whole entire growth uh, growth for his character for the rest of the seasons. Do you mm-hmm. get what I'm saying? Like it, I mean, 
why why paint the whole entire picture when you can start off with a blank uh, with a blank canvas and you can add more to it as you go on? I mean, it adds more great stories to it later on down the road. So why add all that in the very beginning, especially when we're talking about season two? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, a little bit pieces at a time, but like, I mean, it it kind of thinking about it now, it kind of like takes away from data story. I mean, or it takes a good chunk of white. Uh, well, maybe not a good chunk, but the pieces that is at a story that uh, they can uh, explore later on down the road. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's, it's very interesting because I think if that line was in there, yeah, it might've changed how you see data or how nice. they had to write for the character. So it's, it's quite interesting. Okay. So one more scene from measure of a man. So this is actually, some additional lines at the very end. So that's the scene, uh, you know, where basically Data has won the trial and, you know, he's he's going to be able to make his own choices. Um, and you see uh, Riker and Data in the observation lounge. So what I'll do is I'll read the first few lines and then, uh, you know, read the other lines that were cut. And then it kind of goes back into the ending of the scene. So in this scene, and this is first starting out as aired. So Data says, sir, there is a celebration on the holodeck. Riker says, I have no right to be there. Data says, because you failed in your task? Riker says, no, God, no. I came that close to winning, Data. Data says, yes, sir. Riker says, I almost cost you your life. And then at that point, it goes into the uh, extended part of the scene. So after Riker saying that, Data says, that is true, sir. Will, I have learned from your example that at times one must deny one's nature, sacrifice one's own personal beliefs to protect another. And then it goes back to what was aired where Data says, is it not true that had you refused to prosecute, Captain Lavoie would have ruled summarily against me? Riker says yes. Um, and then there's a couple of scenes, a couple of uh, uh, lines to end the episode. But there's like this this bit in there where where Data has kind of a a longer response to Riker. Amy, what do you think about this? Yeah, just read that deleted one more time. Just the deleted one. So after Riker says, I almost cost you your life, Data says, that is true, sir. Will, I have learned from your example that at times one must deny one's nature, sacrifice one's own personal beliefs to protect another. Right, and isn't that the best part? Like, that's what Data has learned, and that's what we saw and witnessed in this episode. And... So amazing for Data to recognize it and for Will to see it and told to him that it's like, yeah, I did sacrifice and it did hurt me. And, you know, I was willing to be hurt to save you. Like it definitely needs to be in there. I don't even know why they would have cut it because it took what? I know they they need they needed five seconds on the episode. I mean, it was really strict back then. That's all I can yeah, think of. But I just <laughs> we definitely need that. And again, just as showing Data's growth, and I think it really is shows how hurt Riker is. I mean, we see it when he's like, "No, I almost cost you your life." Like we get it, but it's like it adds words that this truly was a sacrifice for Riker. Okay, what do you think, Richard? Yeah, I think it should have been left in as well. I mean, it adds a, a more personal touch to it, and um, yeah, I, I think it. I think it looks great. I, or when I watched it, it was it. It, it sounded great. So yeah, I, I think it should have it should have stayed in. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree. And there's a couple of things that I love about it. So you know, in the aired episode, 
Riker saying, I almost cost you your life, and Data responds, is it not true that had you refused to prosecute, Captain Louvois would have ruled summarily against me? So in the aired episode, he's responding and he's saying, well, yeah, but you had to do it. But, you know, in the deleted scene, he's actually adding to that and saying, well, yes, but I learned from your example, you know, and, and about that you must deny your one's own nature, sacrifice one's own personal beliefs to protect another. He's talking about the life lesson that he's learned in the episode, and I really wish they had put that in because, I mean, first of all, I think there's some great wisdom in those in those lines, but it also shows what Data's learning. I mean, and also, I, I didn't include it in here, but you know, at at the at the very end of the aired episode, Riker says, "You're a wise man, my friend." And Data says, "Not yet, sir, but with your help, I am learning." Which ties in perfectly to what he said before, like I am learning from you. <laughs> so I think it adds something. And also, in this deleted part, Data calls Riker by his first name, Will, which. I could be wrong, but I don't think that ever happens in anything that was aired in The Next Generation or any of the movies. I'm pretty sure about that. And there's like this personal touch there, like, you know, we're friends. We can, I can talk to you on a first name basis, which I think adds something incredible. So it's weird because like in those few lines, I think they added a huge amount. It definitely should have stayed in. They should have cut like five seconds of something else. But yeah, I think we're all agreed on that one. So, yeah, again, listeners, you know, if you have the TNG Season 2 Blu-ray, you should definitely watch the extended episode. I think we'd be interested to find out, not only for the individual scenes, whether which ones you would have thought you wanted to leave in or not, but, you know, what you think about it compared to the aired episode and whether, you know, it's it's superior that way. I think what we've said is that some things we'd leave in, some things we'd take out, but I think they, they could have added something to one of the best episodes of The Next Generation, which is really something. Okay, well, that was fantastic going through The Measure of a Man and all of the scenes. We do have some more from season two that we'll go through here. So the first one is from The Icarus Factor. So there's actually a a scene in a corridor where Data and Geordi are talking, and they're talking about Worf being really sensitive. This is the one that has to do with that ritual with the pain sticks with Worf. And Geordi is saying, like, hey, this is a Wesley operation. So then, you know, Wes comes by and says Riker wants some calculations right away, and he asked Geordi to cover for him when they were, you know, intending for Wesley to take care of this thing. So Geordi protests, and Wes says, you know, that's what friends are for, right, Data? And, you know, Data says to go ahead and walks away and, you know, that that they will study Worf. (laughs) And I think Geordi gives Data this look like, come on, you shouldn't have let him do that. So anyway, it's a really short scene in the corridor, but uh, Richard, what do you think? Yeah, I could see that uh, being deleted. <laughs> I mean, it kind of doesn't it doesn't really add to it. Yeah, I think they were intending for it to be really humorous, but I was watching it and maybe I got a small chuckle, but yeah, <laughs> Amy. <laughs> I liked it. That you was liked it? the thing that I wrote like Wesley has to finish his calculations and we all know I love calculations, right? I was envi- <laughs> envisioning some major math homework going on. It's right, you go, you go finish your homework. But I laughed actually at it. I thought it was cute because, you know, not only is Wesley learning to, you know, sort of slough things off and it's like, all right, you got this for me. Like he's learning the ropes. And then you're right, that Lord, that uh, little exchange between Jordy and Data. And it's like, oh man, what did you get me into? You know, and Data's looking around innocently like, what? Wesley had to finish his calculations. You know, it's all logical (laughs) in his mind. I thought the scene was great and it wouldn't take that long. And so I would have 
kept it. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I'm actually laughing at it more just hearing you describing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that one from the Icarus Factor. There's actually four from Up the Long Ladder, uh, which is the episode where they find the Bringloidy, the kind of um, Irish culture, and then there are the clones in that episode. So, so basically for the first scene, so this is... Riker returning to the bridge after his uh, romantic encounter with uh, Brenna Odell. And so basically, I think it's a short scene, like Riker walks in and he seems happy. He sees Worf and he acknowledges something from Data. It's a really short thing that's meant to be like, okay, Riker had a good time, I guess. But uh, Amy, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I wrote in my notes, it's the happy Riker ending. (laughs) scene i just we didn't need it um we all know what happens and this (laughs) was put in in case you didn't figure it out but i think all of us figured it out so yeah richard yeah i figured it out too (laughs) yeah it seems seems pretty unnecessary kind of interesting Mm -hmm. all right so the the second scene is so this is in the observation lounge with granger who is i guess the guy that's representing the the cloned people and basically, like, this is one of those scenes where there's certain things like in the uh, in the aired episode and then it cuts in things and there it like kind of goes in and out like a little bit. So I, I don't know if I want to go through all of the, the dialogue because there, I, I think it's just added a, a, a little bit where Picard's clarifying some things and Granger's talking about the technique. So I don't necessarily want to use the time by like, giving all of the the lines but uh Amy what did you think of of this Well I when I was watching this it clearly could because Riker is making his point like I don't agree in cloning and blah 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 Right And it just I it made me think of second chances and I just thought man this is really funny and gives a little bit more context for Thomas and why Riker is just so not liking Thomas. It just sort of gives me that extra backstory. That was the first thing I thought of. Well, but Riker doesn't have any additional lines in this. It's just Granger, Picard, and Pulaski that have additional lines. The the ones that you see of Riker in this scene. Oh, is that in the scene? Mm -hmm. In the, oh. Yeah. It's a little bit confusing because when you see it, it's like, okay, how is this different? And then there's like a little insertion of a couple lines and then it goes back. It's a bit confusing, I think. Okay, well, (laughs) I'm so sorry, (laughs) listeners, but that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I guess I don't need the history of it. I mean, I guess it's interesting if you are into that. Yeah, I mean... Okay, so maybe I'll go into it a, a bit. So, I mean, Granger's basically, you know, talking about, you know, how they've dealt with cloning, and after 300 years, the entire concept of sexual reproduction is repugnant, which is in the aired episode. Then Picard says, a culture without children. And Granger says, to accelerate clone growth, a little basic learning can be chemically imprinted on the clone. The rest we do after emergence. So in that, he's just adding like a little bit of detail, and then it goes to Pulaski about, oh, how'd you overcome the replicative fading? And they talk oh, for a little yeah. bit. Right. And then it goes back to, to, you know, Pulaski about the subtle errors that creep in. And then Granger says, yes, we've noticed a sort of mental hardening of the arteries and ability to respond to new situations, which is the new line. So there's like three new lines just to clarify a little bit, but I, I don't know if it really adds much. 
we're agreed no on that yeah yeah like I the first time i watched this one i was super confused because i was like wasn't that the aired episode yeah I had that's to, a i had yeah. to actually rewatch it and compare it with the transcript and i was like oh there's these three lines okay <laughs> so yeah it's it, it's kind of interesting when you watch these deleted scenes because there's certain things where it's just like a couple lines that are inserted like here and there so we'll say no on that one okay, okay. <laughs> so the third one so basically this is kind of a a deleted scene it's an entirely new scene where i think it's danilo odell um is you know telling the bring Lloydie a story of the colony's founding and so basically they're in the cargo bay they're around a fire and and he's telling of seeing like bring Lloyd, which is like their 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 dream and this is kind of like an or i guess an origin story for them their companions in the butterfly ship left us off which was the the clones and they left a god up in the heavens to look after us and we had a home and brenna says and now we have lost it we'll find another when how long must we journey so they're kind of telling this story and wondering like how long they'll have to to go to 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 find i guess i'm trying to remember even in the episode like the long lost people or what they're looking for and then Picard is kind of overhearing the story because he's in the cargo bay, and he says, now I finally understand. The satellite was left by the Mariposans as a way to protect the Bringloidi. Both colonies were on that ship, and then Picard leaves with Worf. So he's like overhearing this story, and he has some understanding about something that happened in the past, so maybe it clarifies a little bit, but Richard, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I, I don't know if that would add to the, I mean, to the episode. I mean, it, I don't know. I, I mean, given that, uh, you know, Religion is not really something that they would be talking about anyway on this uh, on this show, or at least in the first two seasons. Um, but this is like another culture. It's almost like an alien culture, even if they're human. But yeah, but even still, I mean, it, it, I don't. I just don't think it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it would add more to the whole entire story I, anyway. I could see so that. I think the focus of it is the really is the genetics part or cloning part is really the focus of it rather than their history. So yeah, Amy, what do you think? Yeah, I liked seeing it i felt like you know we're always being introduced to cultures and you know your species of the week and we rarely learn so much and so to have danilo you know gathered everyone around him and him reciting this story i mean it's very you know how stories are passed down through you know verbally telling them and I just felt like it really united them and gave us sort of the backstory of who these people were because they were so odd looking anyways. Uh, we can <laughs> set that aside. But and and then to have Picard hear it, I think you're right. It just sort of is like, oh, Picard got a little bit more out of it, which as viewers, we also got more. So I sort of liked it that they didn't always just, here's your species of the week. They've got this problem and let's solve it. But it gave us a little more background. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I could I could see that. I mean, I just felt like, yeah, maybe it clarifies a little bit of a point, but I, I don't know if it seemed, you know, all, all that necessary. So yeah. Okay, so actually, this next one is one of my favorite things in this whole list. <laughs> it so is. let me just set the scene. So again, this is from Up the Long Ladder. This would have been an alternate ending to the episode, which I always think is really interesting. Because in the original episode, basically, you know, they've come to this agreement that these two cultures will merge, and it basically ends with with Brenna like saying three husbands, like, and they're like, oh, they're going to merge for this culture and have this polygamy and all this stuff right that's how the episode ends as aired but there was an alternate ending which i will describe for you 
so basically, this is on the bridge. Um, so Riker says the Bringloidi have reached their new home. And then Data is saying he wishes they could remain and observe the integration of the two colonies. So Pulaski says they'll do just fine. They're survivors, both of them. So Riker says, we've got the cats in the sack. Let's hope we haven't shaken them too much. When I heard that, I was like, the cats in the sack. Okay, 24th century expression. Anyway, so then, you know, Data hears this expression and he replies by, you know, talking about how males and females are pursuing their respective uh, reproductive strategies to maximize the contribution of their gene pool to the next generation. By the way, that would have been the only time in TNG that anyone said the next generation, like in dialogue. So Data's trying to analyze this analogy, and Pulaski says Riker's analogy was more romantic. And Data says, how are cats in a sack romantic? They would fight and scratch. <laughs> and then Worf, who's at the tactical station at the back of the bridge, says, mmm. <laughs> and he says, very romantic. And here's what he says. I hunt in the darkness, the stars my guide. The memory of you sings in my blood. I seize the gift, carry it to your bower, and lay at your feet the hearts of my enemies. So he's given this love poetry, right? And then at that point, there's just like silence on the bridge. And Riker and Picard turn around. Interesting thing, Riker's chair swivels, which is the only time we see that. So they kind of turn almost completely around just to look at him. And so, you know, Worf kind of gets out of his reverie about the poetry. He looks a little embarrassed and goes back to kind of working at his tactical station. So everyone kind of like does a reaction to each other like, what did we just hear Worf, Worf say? And then Picard says, engage. And then Worf with his great one-liners just says, perhaps it does not translate well. <laughs> and then the ship goes to Worf, to Worf, to Warp. <laughs> I actually love this scene. The first time that I, I saw it, I just laughed out loud so hard. But um, Richard, what do you think of this scene? I like it. <laughs> but it would, I'm glad they uh, deleted it. <laughs> you, you, do you think it would have just been too I, weird a way to end the episode? I, I Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it would be a little too weird. Um because you really don't get really that much humor in the ending episodes until you start hitting like the almost mid season three and on. Yeah, they didn't. Do, they didn't do like the TOS thing early on where they would end with a laugh sometimes, right? Yeah, I mean, I could see it working. Maybe not as vulgar. I think it's <laughs> but, vulgar. <laughs> I mean, I well for a clan, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just. Uh, it's just weird for uh, Worf in season two. I mean, for okay. me, it's it's weird. It's weird. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, Amy? I loved it just like you. <laughs> I've got Worf poetry and a little heart next to it. <laughs> just, <laughs> and cats in a bag. I mean, that's hilarious, a little metaphor there. Um, but I liked, um, you know, the whole idea of the sociobiology and, you know, and just how exciting it would be to to study them and to see what happens. So I get the excitement, but yeah, it just ends with Worf's poetry. And then of course his one-liner, it doesn't translate well. <laughs> and when Riker and Picard turn around, it's like, well, and Picard doesn't turn around all the way. He just sort yeah. of, you know, but, but Riker does side, his chair swivels 360 degrees, which yeah, we never see he anywhere turns else. Around and I was like, wow, I didn't know your chair could do that. And just the look that they get, it just, I thought it was so, so great. I like that alternate ending much, much better. 
I like it too because like they're like for the the ending as aired, it's almost just like yeah, there are these people who consider sexual reproduction repugnant and basically <laughs> uh Picard is just kind of or I forget who suggests it. Somebody on the Enterprise suggests that they just kind of all have, you know, uh multiple partners. I mean, I don't know. It it just always struck me as a little weird and just like taking off some of that tension at the end of the episode. I love it. So it's it's one of my favorite things. And I know it's just a little bit of trivia, but Data saying the next generation in the next generation, I kind of laughed at that too. <laughs> but all right. So that is everything I could find for seasons one and two, both on the Blu-rays and things that, that Trek Core had, which are just such a great resource for so many things. And this is one of them. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about our final thoughts, I guess. Amy, what do you think of looking at these deleted scenes today? Absolutely worth it. And getting these little bits of trivia and nuggets and context of the stories. I mean, some of them, you know, like the Icarus factor didn't really add much to it, but you know, definitely the measure of the man. I loved, uh, of course, seeing those deleted scenes of the child um, it just adds so much more. And I wish Up the Long Ladder would have had those scenes integrated like an extended version like they did with Measure of a Man because it's sometimes a little disjointed to watch the episode and then watch the deleted scenes. And it's like, okay, this is supposed to be inserted here. Um, but you do get the idea of it. And this is just so much fun. I'm so excited to be doing this series. Excellent. Uh, Richard? So, I don't know, maybe it's the time or time of uh, television back then, or maybe it's today, I don't know. But when I think of deleted scenes, I think of deleted scenes like they're, they don't add to the story or they don't they're they're awkward and there's a good reason why you can tell um just by um watching it but then when i think about like television shows from the 80s or the early 90s uh, in this case um the deleted scenes seemed a lot of them seemed to be uh important to the story in a sense you know what i mean like like it was purposely planned this way and because they were under time constraints and it was a lot more um, strenuous back then that, uh, that you know, they kind of had to, you know, I guess imply that the viewer already knows this sort of thing. So I guess, I, I mean, I like, I like us doing, I, I really like, I really like hearing about these new deleted scenes and it's actually really nice to hear that, you know, these scenes very well could be relevant to the story. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, what you guys are saying. So it was fun to look at these. I mean, you know, one of the things that I've loved about this and the Lost episodes is it's things, even if you've seen all the episodes and all the movies, it's like new content and new things to talk about. And I always love that. And I think you're right, Richard. Some of these, it's like they kind of planned it that way. And I think especially for Measure of a Man, Melinda Snodgrass was planning each of those scenes to, you know, build up to a certain thing. And some of them are quite significant. Some of them were like, ah, that's just silly or we don't need that. But for a lot of them, it's like, huh, that would kind of change the episode or been significant. I mean, they're not like all throwaways. It was for sure worthwhile. And I'm glad because, you know, when I proposed this, I was like, is this going to work when we talk about it? But uh, yeah, I think it's been fun. And we'll kind of see as we as we go along what we think of, you know, all the additional deleted scenes. And I'll definitely be interested to see what people think, what they would keep or what they wouldn't. 
Well, it has been so much fun talking about deleted scenes from the next generation, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. He's like, oh, we can't be vague. And he's like, I'm not doing it. Is that vague enough for you? Yeah. That was so great. I know. Yes. Tyler's having these little quip answers, quick-witted, you know, when he's talking with uh, George O. And she's like, I'm going to trust you, but if you betray my trust, I'm going to hunt you down. Literary Treks. And we have the USS Titan. And they're, they're going so far as to make modifications to people's quarters and the different living arrangements to account for various alien physiologies and all that sort of thing. Because not only do we have just a diversity of alien species, we have a diversity of people who aren't even humanoid, which I think is a really cool thing. And something, you know, you can do that in a book at the time more easily than you could on television for sure. So I think they make really good use of the medium to present us with a crew like this. Warp 5. Because he had a near-death experience, he's now all of a sudden upset that T'Pol won't admit her feelings for him. Right. Right. And now, look, I can understand how the near-death experience triggers that, but this... The payoff of him asking to leave should have happened three episodes from now. Yes, he should be grown up enough... Earl Grey. I mean, of course, the difference with Geordi and Data is that they're regular characters and they're in almost every episode. <laughs> so there's more of that potential for interaction and Guinan isn't in it as many. And I know it wouldn't have been as possible at the time, but I can dream about the next generation starting with Guinan being like a regular there every week. I mean, hey, you know, Quark's a bartender and he's a regular on DS9. Why not Guinan? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go back in time and change that. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. So before we go to the next part, listeners, about the iTunes reviews, it has been a while, and we've been challenging listeners to become associate producers. I'm going to put a challenge in here for you to put in an iTunes review. Let us know what you think of the show. We will read it on the show. So I challenge you, listeners, to give us more iTunes reviews if you haven't already done so. So if you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways you can do that. The best place is to join in the larger conversation. It, or <laughs> <laughs> I'll still keep that in. All right, so there you go. There's your first mess up. <laughs> or third. Anyway. The best place is, uh, to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners uh, group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. 
Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. All right, some bonus questions for you guys. All right. Now, we just talked about deleted scenes. So I have a question for you. You know, in the afterlife and God is playing your life on the big screen and judging you, says some stories. Yes. (laughs) And we're watching, would you want to delete any part, any (laughs) scenes from your life? Just a yes or no, and I won't ask what they are unless you want to share them, but Richard. Is it is it like defending your life? It's, <laughs> have you ever seen You're going to no. have the, your life movie played <laughs> in front of you. Would you have deleted scenes? Oh, deleted scenes. Oh, man. Would I? Would I? Uh, no. No. No deleted scenes. Well, here's my answer, Amy. The answer is yes, because there needs to be content for the Afterlife podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they do podcasts in the afterlife, and they can talk about my deleted scenes. (laughs) And Justin Reed Ozer. (laughs) The lost episodes. But yeah, for the the things I would delete, you will never get any details. (laughs) All right. Oh, man. Fair enough. (laughs) Well, I think, Richard, I'm going to be with you. I think no matter how embarrassing or bad I may feel, I think it adds to the context of your life and builds who you are. So, yes, keep it in and live your life with no regrets. There you go. So you heard that. The, the Afterlife podcast would run out of content. <laughs> yes. So, so, it, so it sounds like they're going to talk about Justin's podcast or Afterlife, but not ours, yes. Amy. Well, they will talk about yours, but you know, there's only so many episodes they can That's talk right. about. I can't discover new content later. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Your your lost episodes would be like your dreams or something like that. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. that's a great idea. Hey, man. Oh, man. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Well, Justin, where can people contact you when you are deleting scenes from your life? (laughs) I don't even know what to say say to that. Um, But, you know, it is actually relevant to Star Trek Discovery because Ariam can delete scenes from her life. That's true. Anyway, well... I don't know. I'm going to be thinking about this for a while. But when I'm not, you can find me on Twitter. Wow, that was quite a question, Amy. <laughs> it was unexpected. Uh, you can find me I'm on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Currently tweeting out my Season 7 rewatch of The Next Generation. And you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference and in the Afterlife podcast. Okay, so Richard, I can't get over this. I'm really sorry. Like, uh, uh, this is true exclusive content for our listeners. Hashtag oh, still listening. Man. Yeah, this is really unexpected. Okay, on with the show. Richard, where can people contact you when you're not wishing more scenes with Worf were included on TNG? There should be more. More bat lists. I like more that. love poetry too, like right? That. Yeah, I could deal with poetry. Yeah. <laughs> If he does it every episode, I could deal with that. Yeah, he closes every episode with his love poetry. Yeah. <laughs> like a, 
Yeah, I, I, no, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be get weird after a while. I, I can only imagine how many they could actually do. <laughs> 176. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, well, when I'm not thinking about. Um, uh, Klingon poetry. You guys can find me on Facebook. I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference. And I am also on Twitter, and my handle is xransom. So, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not wishing more scenes with Troy were included on TNG? Well, I am doing that all the time. We do need more Troy. Troy, Troy, Troy. Well, you can find me here on the network where I co-host The Edge, which is about Star Trek Discovery, and that's the main show. I also do Postcards from The Edge, which is your feedback for Star Trek Discovery. I am on the Fandom Podcast Network doing Discoville, which talks about The Orville and Discovery. I am on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. But my favorite place is right there in the Babel Conference. So you can find me there. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. And I want to add here, we'll talk about it in a few seconds, but we had more listeners take the Associate Producer Challenge. Thank you. That really helps us here. So again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. And yes, as Justin mentioned, we really want to take this opportunity to recognize our current Associate Producers. They are Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Trebuzio, and two new associate producers, very excited, for Joe Keegan and Jim McMahon. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay. Jim, thank you. And Joe, thank you so much. That is just so great. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. I seize the gift, carry it to your bower, and lay at your feet the hearts of my enemies. Turn down your volume because today is a good day to die! (laughs) Oh boy.